Welcome to This Week in Astrology. This is episode number 518 for January 1 through 12, 2020. Welcome to This Week in Astrology, deepening your astrological wisdom since 2007. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Benjamin Bernstein, broadcasting from thisweekinastrology.com. To get to a specific part of the show, including the forecast for a particular date, check out the index at astroshaman.com, click blog on the menu bar, then choose astrology podcasts from the blog categories. You can also read this forecast online by going to the blog and choosing the astrology forecasts category. Once again, the show is late. However, this time at least, I am getting it out ahead of the events I describe. I'm releasing this on January 8th, and the, the relevant events are on the 10th and 12th of January. So at least I beat the events this time. As always, uh, not as always, but as last time, um, my need to care for my partner, Makisela, has slowed me down. And uh, she is getting much better, though, just super briefly. She is still in inpatient rehab and is doing so well. She has recovered much of the use of her right arm and hand, which were just not working at all. But now she's feeding herself and grooming herself with the right hand. It's really great. And she's starting to get some mobility back in the right leg. She's able to now flex her knee a little bit and wiggle her toes just a tiny bit on the right side. Is walking a little bit now with assistance. So... We're really, really pleased that she's come back so fast, less than a month after the stroke. So great news there. Uh, however, um, my need to spend time with her and focus on her, along with all my other responsibilities, has put me behind on a lot of stuff. I'm hoping to get back on schedule here in the next few weeks and get back to my usual timeliness and my categories. <laughs> I also want to mention that since this is the first show of the month, we are announcing our free session winners, so listen for that sometime during the show. Now let's move on to the forecast. The most important astrology event of 2020, a Saturn-Pluto conjunction, highlights the first half of January. We also have a potent lunar eclipse, strongly colored by this conjunction, as well as Uranus turning direct. We also have something brand new that we've never done before on the podcast. Most of the podcast will actually be excerpts from my 2020 Astrology Forecast Lecture. The section on the Saturn-Pluto conjunction and the lunar eclipse will be from that presentation. The only new content will be me talking about Uranus turning direct, which will be fairly brief. So uh, you'll get to hear a sampling of what I sound like presenting to a live audience. So... Without further ado, let's get into it. We start with the lunar eclipse on January 10th, 2020. That's happening at 2.21 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's at 20 degrees Cancer exactly. And here's what I said about that in my 2020 forecast presentation. After the solar eclipse, we have, of course, the lunar eclipse. <laughs> Eclipses always come a couple of weeks apart. There's always two. Sometimes there's three. In fact, uh, as we get into the more the middle of the year, we will have a triple eclipse uh, happening. So this lunar eclipse is the moon in Cancer opposing an amazing setup. Look at this. We've got five planets in Capricorn within three degrees of each other. This is amazing. Sun, Mercury, Ceres, Saturn, and Pluto all clustered up together in a big group hug. <laughs> so let's start with the moon. A lunar eclipse, of course, is a full moon on steroids. And a full moon is best for release or adjustment. Okay? 
So it's in cancer. So there's four major themes of the sign cancer. So release or adjust in emotions, family, home, and shadow work. Also security is a theme there. Okay? And what's opposing the moon? Oh my gosh. Saturn and Pluto are like the stars of the show over there. Chances are there's going to be some pretty big shadow work flushed up from this. I mean, Saturn and Pluto bring challenge. Pluto is the lord of the underworld. He brings up all that old pain from the unconscious when it's time to work with it. And um, both of these eclipses, in fact, one of, the, one of the things they can do is bring up shadow work. So be prepared. Um, I can promise you, I, you know, let me put it this way. Uh, I'll, I'll sneak ahead to one thing. We've already been in the Saturn-Pluto conjunction field for about two years. It's already started. Okay. I know a bunch of people who are very conscious, very awakened people, some of the most bright lights I know. All of them are processing shadow work to beat the band. Uh, let me just ask, is there anyone here, raise your hand if you're not having stuff come up lately. <laughs> I don't see any hands. <laughs> okay, it's happening. And here's, here's my understanding, okay? Um, here's the sequence I observe. Again, I've worked with over 8,000 people. I, I talk to a lot of people about their process, okay? So first, the shadow work is your personal stuff, okay? If you clear enough of that, then you'll start clearing from your family lineage, Okay, forward and backward in time. If you get enough of that done, then you get to clear for absolute strangers. Isn't that great? So uh, that means that, I mean, I've had many experiences where I had energy show up and it was nothing I'd ever felt. It was so alien to me, I didn't even know where it was coming from. And it's okay, someone needs help, and I would just process it and flush it through. And uh, just like, how many people are willing to admit that they're doing that right now, too? He's right, got several hands up. Okay, so a lot of people, the more conscious you become, the more. They, you know, we're in, we're, in, we're in the thick of the game now. We're in the big spiritual awakening field. And so those who are capable are being asked to process heavy energy for other people. So this is a very, Saturn-Pluto is a heavy energy time. That's one of the themes. It's not the only thing happening, but it's a major theme. So just know that you, we're all going to be processing stuff, so I'm just going to say the, the two key things I would say is, A, be as spiritually awake as you can, because if you are holding awakened consciousness 24-7, then you will not suffer when that stuff comes up. If you are not, you will suffer. Okay? Uh, and, and the embodied awakening is, is, a, is a phase where you just are awake enough that you're aware consciously that you're not just the human, you are consciously merged with your higher self, which is always peaceful. And so no matter what happens to your personality, you're always aware of that part that's still peaceful. That's a, that's a very simplistic definition, but awakening is notoriously difficult to define. All right? But if you're able to hold that core peacefulness, that witness consciousness, then whatever shows up, you'll be able to, to treat it more calmly, more impersonally than if you thought it was your stuff and got rolled around by it. So hold the, biggest, the strongest awakening you can, and then when stuff shows up, have a good tool to process. There's lots of good shadow work tools. Okay? So just have one ready, because I can promise you it's, it's going to get very intense in the coming years. Because, I'll go on, so my understanding, we're clearing now thousands of years of patriarchy, dominator culture, that's all going by the wayside, and all of it has to be processed through. It doesn't just go away. The humans created it, the humans have to clean it up. So everyone who's awakening and conscious is on the team, on the cleanup team. So that's my understanding. It's, I'll get to a phrase in, in the thing that has to do with that. It's saying the work we are to do may not be the work we want to do, but it's the work that has to be done. Okay? All right. So, didn't mean to get so heavy so fast, but I'm in the flow. All right.
So um, Shadowwork, Pluto, and Saturn series is an asteroid goddess, and uh, she's also known as Demeter. In fact, she had a difficult time with Pluto in the myth. Her daughter Persephone got dragged down to the underworld by Pluto, and Ceres weeped inconsolably for months on end. And I won't tell the whole myth, but basically Ceres can represent deep, intense sorrow and shadow work. She can also represent abundance and harvest and prosperity because she's the grain goddess. Okay? So that's the other thing I wanted to mention about the lunar eclipse. What release or adjustment can you make to become more prosperous? Oh my gosh, we've got Pluto, wealth, and we've got Ceres, you know, harvest. And we've got um, you know, the moon following your heart's delight for what you're going to go for. So this eclipse is also, what can I release to make room for more abundance? And abundance doesn't have to be just money. Abundance is whatever you want it to be. What is your wealth? It could be money. It could be my wealth is having free time to be out in nature. My wealth is you know, time to do my hobby or play with my kids or whatever it may be. So decide on your wealth, and then this can deliver it for you. What planet is opposite Juno, please? I'm getting to that. In fact, you just anticipated me. All right, now, beyond the Capricorn planets and beyond the moon, there are, this is called a grand cross. It's a big geometrical red square, and it's, it's called a grand cross or a grand square in astrology. And this is the most intense, challenging aspect pattern there is in astrology. On one end, we have Juno. This is the cross with a bad hair day down here. Um, it's the, the asteroid goddess of committed partnership. And uh, it could be a romantic partnership or it could be any kind of partnership you have where there's a commitment. It could be a business partner. It could be a good friend you have a good container with. Anyone you're in an ongoing relationship with where you're choosing not to end it, that's a committed partnership okay, of a significant nature. And then, so when we bring Juno in, it says, okay, maybe that committed partner will be the one stirring up your shadow work. Maybe they'll be the one helping you heal it. Maybe they'll be doing both. <laughs> you never know. Um, the other end is Eris. E-R-I-S. Okay? This is the first time I've used her, but she is so central in these patterns, I could not avoid her. Okay? Eris is the... Um, let me. Uh, I've got her over here on my other screen here. She's the Greek goddess of strife and discord, the sister of bloodthirsty Ares, associated with violent, raging anger. Uh, her most famous role in the myths was um, she, there was a, a great wedding and she wasn't invited. She crashed it, tossed out an apple marked to the fairest, to the fairest one, right? And all the goddesses fought over it and this escalated and became the Trojan War, okay? So, <laughs> so Eris, but Eris has a good quality too. She's very rebellious and sometimes that's exactly what we need. So Eris in the pattern can work one of two ways. One is she can be that other person who's trying to provoke you, who's throwing that apple out and says, okay, are you going to bite? Are you going to get upset because of what I just did? So they're trying to goad you into having a negative reaction. In fact, if you saw that uh, Marvel movie, Captain America Civil War, um, perfect heiress character, the guy who wasn't fighting anyone, he would just plant these little malicious seeds of information which happen to be true you know like uh, Tony Stark's parents getting killed and he's discovered oh my god it's Captain America's buddy who did that oh, I'm going to kill you you know so the heiress strategy is to just plant the malicious seed of information and let it grow in the weak spot of the hero and then the hero does their own damage to themselves does that make sense? Okay. so watch out for heiress characters they're, they're going to be prominent so you know, remember your emotions are your fault Nobody can make you feel anything. They can catalyze all they want, 
but you always, you can just react blindly and go into the negative, or you can say, okay, I choose to respond. And again, my pitch for awakening, if you're awake, you'll see the game, and you can then make the choice not to just fall into that negative pattern again. So, and if you want to be heiress, you know, maybe, let's say the wedding was of this, you know, people who are doing these horrible, terrible things, and they needed an apple thrown out to kind of stir them up and break up this negative pattern they're in. So sometimes you need to be heiress for a higher cause, if you will. You're the one who's throwing out the challenging, catalyzing catalyst to try to break up a pattern that isn't serving anymore. So heiress isn't always the bad person. Does that make sense? Okay. So I grant you, I'd, I'd rather not play the role myself, but there are times that it needs to be played. Okay. Um, and that's probably the main stuff on that eclipse. Discover how this eclipse, as well as the December 26th solar eclipse, affect your chart. Save 33% off my regular rates when you prepay your eclipse focus session by this Friday, January 10th. That's just two days after I record this podcast. Since eclipse effects last 6 to 12 months, you'll still have plenty of time to use the insights from your reading, even if you book it after January 10th. Again, you just have to pay it by January 10th to get the special. You can definitely book it after that date. This session can cover any topic you like, and not just eclipse effects. Shamanic healing and awakening activation can also be included in your session. You can learn more about this eclipse special in the show notes, or by going to astroshaman.com and looking in the fourth section down on the homepage, where you will see the eclipse special among the posts. Also, on January 10th, we have Uranus turning direct. This happens at 8.48 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time, and it happens at 2 degrees 38 minutes Taurus. This is five months after it turned retrograde on August 11th, 2019, at 6 degrees 36 minutes Taurus. Like all transiting planets, Uranus works first and foremost for your higher self. If it finds something that aligns with your soul purpose, it can give it a quantum leap to the next level of wonderful. If something's out of alignment, then Uranus may inject some chaos and craziness, not to be cruel, but to show what you'd be wise to paradigm shift or release. In my forecast on August 11th, 2019, I invited you to reflect on this quirky planet's highest expressions. Have you embraced what's unique about yourself, and are you showing that to the world to the greatest extent that serves highest good? Are you following your intuitive flashes, those text messages from God that are actually your most infallible guidance? And are you serving others using your special talents that you most love to use? With Uranus turning direct, it's time to shift from reflection to action. The more you follow these life-affirming Uranus strategies, the more wonderful your experience of this outside-the-box planet will be. Planets are especially powerful when they station or change directions. With Uranus's direct station happening around 3 degrees Taurus, any sensitive natal points from 28 degrees Cardinal, that would be Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn, up to 8 degrees fixed, those signs would be Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius, will be strongly affected. If something represented by those points does not serve your highest good, it will draw itself to your attention to be released or improved, and you can take whatever is already in harmony to the next level. Next, let's talk about the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, the big kahuna, and that is happening on January 12th, 2020 at 11.59 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time, and it happens at 22 degrees, 46 minutes Capricorn. 
And here's a 28-minute excerpt from my 2020 astrology forecast presentation, where I go deep on the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. Now we get to the star of the show. This is where I'll be spending I'll be spending more time on this than on anything else in the presentation. So get used to this slide because you're going to be seeing it for a while. <laughs> I'm going to start actually <clears throat> with a little information I drew from Nick Anthony Fiorenza. <clears throat> he has a great article online called Synodic Astrology, the Saturn-Pluto Synodic Cycles, a Historical Exploration 1851 to 2020. I'm not going to go into the historical part, but he has a wonderful description of a synodic cycle. So a synodic cycle is just like a moon cycle. We all know the moon starts new, it's dark, and then it gets halfway lit, and it's the first quarter moon or the waxing moon, and then it goes full on circle, that's the full moon, and then it goes three-quarter way around, and then it's half dark again, and that's the, the waning moon, and then it comes new again, and the moon runs a 28-day synodic cycle. That's the quickest cycle we have in our sky. As I said, this Saturn-Pluto is a 34-year synodic cycle. But the same kind of thing works. So once they can join... Now, after I give you all this information, I'm going to pull up a chart of the actual thing, and I will describe the particulars of this particular Saturn-Pluto cycle. But I want you to understand Saturn-Pluto in general first. So, again, you start with the theme, and you build to the first quarter square... That's the crisis point of the square is to turn a corner. It's a 90-degree angle. And then that's where you make the decision. You take definitive action. And for the next quarter phase, you're acting, 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 making it happen. You get to the full moon. I mean, isn't it true the full moon is the brightest time of night? You walk around and see stuff you know, as easily as if it was daytime. So that's where you see what you've got. It's the brightest, clearest vision. And the full moon is, okay, this is what I've achieved. It's the climax. But I'm not done. I'm only halfway there. What needs adjusting? What needs to be released? And now I'm going to tweak it and play with it. And then I get to the three-quarter cycle. That's okay. Now I've done enough. I'm tired. I'm going to start letting it go. So the last quarter is releasing, relaxing, integration, until you get back to the new moon again, the conjunction, and then you start all over again. I want to make clear, it's not just endless repetition, though. It's a spiral. You start here. You cycle and then you end up here, a little bit higher. So hopefully you've learned something, you've gotten a little more wisdom, God willing, you know, and and hopefully as the cycle starts again, you're in a different consciousness and you can work it smarter the next time. So that's the idea of synodic cycles. You know, the cycles repeat, but it's it's spiraling up into new, hopefully more wise um, manifestation. In terms of the years, they're about eight years apart, the cycle begins, of course, in 2020, waxing square 2028, opposition 2036, waning square 2044, conjunctions 2053. All right, and of course, I'll just say this once, but it's always true. Um, it ain't the only thing happening. We know there's three cycles. Okay, the most obvious example. I'm going to go into history in a minute and and go through the 20th century with Saturn-Pluto hard aspects, and I'm going to give you one of the mid 60s. And, of course, in the mid-60s, that was not the main event. Uranus-Pluto conjunction was the main event of the 60s, but there was also a Saturn-Pluto opposition. So they they never operate in isolation. That's why astrology is such an amazing study. I've got to be not looking at this one thing. I've got to be looking at these several dozen factors and trying to weave them into a coherent gestalt. Okay? So I will be isolating it for purposes of explanation, but it ain't the only thing happening by far. Okay? It's just, at the moment, the most important thing. 
<laughs> okay, so let's get into some Ren keywords. Um, let's start with some more positive ways. Well, I'd say more. We're now going to go into some positive expressions of Saturn-Pluto. So again, I'm going to give you high and low. I always encourage you, how can you incorporate the high stuff to use this energy? And let me just say, um, my view of astrology and my experience of it is we're not pawns being moved around by big players. We have free will. We make choices. Even if I don't have free will, I choose to believe that I do. <laughs> it's all, you can argue it either way, but I'm, I'm playing it like I do. Okay? <laughs> It's my fated choice to believe that I have free will. <laughs> so always there's a choice to take it high or low. And you and let me say here, there's there's a thing you can do called shamanic astrology or planetary invocation. These planets are conscious beings. They are not just balls in the sky. They have vast consciousness. And they exist not only as that object out in space, they exist as an archetypal force inside you. So you can just whisper or think and it hears you. So if you know there's a, if always in your astrology, if there's a planetary something that you know what it is and you're having trouble with it, just talk to it and say, hey, Pluto, I'm tired of getting railroaded by these powerful people. I want some power. I want to be able to stand in my power so I don't get bullied by these people. And you call for Pluto to give you the positive thing that you're having trouble with. Because if you're being harassed by the low end of an archetype, it can only be because you're supposed to Again, I'm assuming here you're on the path of love and light and not becoming one of the dominator controller people. I'll just make that assumption here. But they're both valid paths, okay? But if you're one of the love and light people, then you don't want to beat down that person like they're beating down you. You want to say, okay, I'm going to stand in my power and I'm going to be so powerful you can't mess with me. And because bullies only pick on weaklings, you're going to realize you can't mess with me. You're going to go find someone else. I've, I've seen over and over again in my life and my clients' lives when the archetypal lesson is learned, when you step into the evolutionary phase that the crisis was moving you toward, the crisis is done. It has no reason to continue if it served its purpose. It is a very purposeful universe. There is no blind malice here, in my opinion. It's all, it's all, anytime you're in challenge, it's just because you're being asked to up your game and become more conscious and more powerful and more loving. That's my, my game, anyway. All right, let's go to some keywords from Ren Butler for Saturn-Pluto. Profound discipline, strength, and endurance, intensive self-control, the capacity to bear down with great force and pressure on difficult situations until they're resolved. That was all one piece. A deep sense of responsibility, an ability to build powerful bridges and foundations, solid successes, challenges which lead to an urgent reformulation of priorities, a need to cut your losses and deepen your commitment to the important things in life, having profound feelings of powerness, but with resolve to continue anyway, a willingness to face every part of your unconscious despite the difficulty, completion of the death-rebirth process and owning your shadow, and expressing titanic forces in a way that helps the external world. Those are some awesome ways to use Saturn-Pluto. Now, there's some shadow qualities, of course. They're famous for them. These are two of the classic malefics. All right, On the dark side, um, and by the way, I've toned this down. I've removed some things that were just so intense I didn't even want to speak them. Okay, so this is the sanitized version here. <laughs> Ominous forebodings and sense of danger, feelings of anxiety and fear, negative or threatening forces, a perception of irrevocable pressure and change, the failure of law or structure to stop decay and decline, 
evolutionary setbacks and reverses, crushing defeats, the limits of power, rigid armoring and hardening, defensiveness and entrenchment, reactionism and fundamentalism, damaging overexertion, the negative consequences of abusing power. And once in a while, I'll give you a quote. These are, again, from Wren. He finds all these famous people who have these two planets in their natal charts in aspect, and then he gives them a, a relevant quote. The first one is Abraham Lincoln, who has Saturn square Pluto in his chart. He says, nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. <laughs> and whoever's phone just dinged, if you could please turn that off, please. Thank you. The costs of obsession, attachment, or holding grudges. Unstoppable force meets immovable object. Intense control and domination. Brutal repression of yourself and others. Inhuman cruelty. The inescapable certainty of death. Hard destructive energies and emotions. And here I put, insert the most horrible things humans can do to each other. It's all Saturn-Pluto. If it's so horrible, it's hard to imagine that's them. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come back to that. <laughs> Exploitation, hate and vengeance, massacres and genocides, weapons of mass destruction, ecological disasters and catastrophes, and all hell breaking loose. I think she asked for the positive. <laughs> I already gave you the positive. Okay. And there will be more, I promise. Okay. So that's how intense Saturn and Pluto can get. And I actually took out the worst stuff. Okay. Rick Tarnas did not pull any punches in his book. Right? Seems like we're already in it. We are. We've been in a couple of years, like I said. I'll, I'll be giving the historical overviews. In fact, we're about to get there. Okay. Now we switch to Richard Tarnas in Cosmos and Psyche. So he does point out, although he gives this incredible litany of all the terrible things that have happened under Saturn Pluto, he says hard aspects can bring positive results, although typically only after considerable effort. Remember the effort part. And then he says, Saturn, Pluto, hard aspects can be challenging and serious, sometimes in the extreme. So let's go with some of his list of how Saturn and Pluto can show up. Empowerment of reactionary forces and totalitarian impulses, profoundly weighty events of enduring consequence, violence and death on a massive scale, the irrevocable termination of an established order of existence, Collective intensification of division, antagonism, and hostility. Does that sound familiar these days? Deployment of massive, highly disciplined, carefully organized, destructive power. Widespread sense of victimization and suffering under the impact of cataclysmic and oppressive forces. The drive for power, control, and domination. Take a breath. Experiences of deep humiliation caused by violence, violation, and defeat, often accompanied by a compensatory need to prove one's strength, invulnerability, and capacity to retaliate with lethal potency. Is that guy right or what? Okay. <laughs> Displays of personal and collective determination, unbending will, courage, and sacrifice in the face of danger and death, like the 9-11 first responders, for example. The transformation and forging of enduring structures, whether material, political, or psychological. So that's some of what Tarnas believes Saturn and Pluto. And he's, he doesn't just believe it, he's researched. I mean, this guy went back through all of recorded history in this book and covered every planetary cycle all the way back to where we have records. It's unbelievable. Okay. Anyhow, now we just get into Saturn by itself. And again, this is Tarnas breaking down Saturn with awesome detail. Here's all the things Saturn can be, in his opinion. 
contraction and constraint, deprivation and negation, division and conflict, necessity and finality, aging and maturity, dying and death, labor and duty, suffering and hardship, the wisdom of experience, authority, solidity, security, reliability, established tradition, that which endures and sustains, boundaries and limits, discipline and control, rigor and rigidity, repression and oppression, judgment, guilt, consequences of past actions, error and fault, defeat and failure, deflation and decline, depression and sorrow, delays and resistance, the naked truth, the bottom line, the inevitable and inescapable, and critical turning points. That's Saturn. Okay? And he points out that Saturn can oppose or negate the potential of the other planet, especially with hard aspects, when it doesn't just buddy up. Okay? <laughs> now, he, he goes on to bring Pluto into the mix now. He says Pluto's energy can empower and intensify all these Saturn effects, often to an overwhelming degree and on a massive scale. Pluto also adds its own distinctive qualities, which include instinctual and elemental forces, titanic power and violent intensity, violation and destruction, underworld depths, and evolutionary transformation. Hey. <laughs> so let me, let me give my overview. Who would agree with me that the world is such a wonderful place that we want it going along just the way it is? Nobody? Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, one. But in my opinion, things are pretty bad out there on just the surface level. So basically, we need a lot of destruction. We need Pluto to get his game on and tear down all this toxic stuff. I mean, let's face it. If we stay on our current track, I've just read we're on track to wipe out something like a million species. Okay? Uh, vast, you know. Basically, if we keep on going this way, the Earth could become literally uninhabitable. And all humans could die. That's not a great outcome. So we need destruction of the current trend so that we can have a more harmonious, balanced, life-sustaining reality. So we need Saturn and Pluto big time right now, and they're here. And I'm just saying, let's, let's our, on our own personal level, use them in a life-affirming, positive, awesome way so that we can make good use of them. Others will use them for evil and darkness, but our job is to use them well. Okay. Now, are you ready for the historical overview? All right. Fasten your seatbelts. It's not going to be pretty. All right. So this is deeply condensed from Tarnas's uh, historical overview of cosmos and psyche. And we're just going to do the 20th century. First Saturn-Pluto conjunction of the 20th century. All right. Conjunction. The immediate buildup to and eruption of World War I in 1913 to 16. First square, 1921 to 23 the decisive emergence of fascism and totalitarianism in Europe, Mussolini in Italy, Stalin in the Soviet Union, the beginning of Hitler's rise in Germany. Opposition, 1930-33, to 33, worldwide economic crisis, rapid ascendancy of Nazism in Germany and the beginning of Hitler's dictatorship, the rise of Japanese militarism and the invasion of Manchuria and China, the intensified dominance of Stalin's totalitarian control of the Soviet Union, including the start of his mass starvation of over 7 million Ukrainians, Closing Square, 1939 to 41, coincided precisely with the beginning of World War II. This alignment continued through the darkest period of Nazi dominance in Europe. The Manhattan Project began, which of course gave us the atomic bomb. Conjunction, New Cycle, 1946 to 48, 
Cold War and global nuclear arms race begin, establishment of the Iron Curtain, domination of Eastern Europe by the Soviet Union, the rapid rise of communism under Mao in China, the communist takeover of North Korea, the founding of NATO and the CIA, National Security Council, and Department of Defense, anti-communist mentality in the United States, including the McCarthy era, the Hollywood blacklist, and widespread anti-communist witch hunts, George Orwell writes, 1984. <laughs> Apartheid, instituted in South Africa, modern Israel founded in Palestine, India's independence and partition, including massive destruction, Gandhi's assassination, and the deaths of millions in the unleashed sectarian violence. First Square, 1955-57. The Soviet Union reoccupies Hungary and crushes dissent in Poland. Intensified threats against the West by Khrushchev. He says, history is on our side. We will bury you. The Suez War of 1956. Opposition, 1964-67. Again, Uranus-Pluto conjunction was the main event here, but we're doing Saturn-Pluto. In this period, the U.S. war in Vietnam begins and rapidly escalates, widespread white backlash against black civil rights gains. In the Soviet Union, the more liberal Khrushchev is replaced by the more conservative Brezhnev. The Middle East Six Days War of 1967, closing square, 1973-75. The U.S. defeat in Vietnam, takeovers by communist regimes in South Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia, the Yom Kippur War, the Watergate scandal and President Nixon's resignation, OPEC oil embargo, global economic recession. Having a good time? <laughs> Conjunction, 1980-84. Climax of the global nuclear arms race, Cold War antagonism and widespread fear of nuclear apocalypse, massively increased defense armoring, rigidly established boundaries, hostile separation, mutual demonization. Reagan calls the Soviet Union an evil empire and the focus of evil in the modern world. Intensive military buildups, repressive military action and state-sponsored terrorism in many parts of the world, death squads in El Salvador, intensified apartheid in South Africa, the militant ascendancy of Islamic extremists in Central Asia, the depths of the Soviet war in Afghanistan leading to the rise of the Islamic jihadist movement, Israel invades Lebanon, sustained massive slaughter in the Iran-Iraq war, the initial terrorist bombings of the U.S. Embassy in Beirut and the U.S. and French barracks in Lebanon, which were the most consequential terrorist acts prior to the World Trade Center. And, of course, a sudden wave of other major terrorist acts, assassinations, and assassination attempts worldwide. Opening square, 1992 to 1994, coincide exactly with the first World Trade Center bombing, Osama bin Laden's first call for jihad against America, and the Taliban coming to power in Afghanistan. Opposition, 2001-2003, 9-11 terrorist attacks, including the World Trade Center, and the many measures of repression, retribution, government-sponsored violence, and further acts of terrorist response that followed that gave us the Patriot Act, severe restriction of civil liberties in the United States, the United States invades Afghanistan, the United States invades Iraq with shock and awe tactics of overwhelming destruction, the abuse and torture of Iraqi prisoners by U.S. military and paramilitary personnel begin, gruesome beheadings and suicide bombings by Islamist and Iraqi resistance begin, the end of the world order based on the alliance of Western Europe, America, and the United Nations, increasing neo-Stalinization in Russia, and the Catholic Church child sex abuse scandals start making news. First Square. Now this, he published Cognizant and Psyche in 2006. That's as far as he got. Then I did some research. <laughs> so the, I got the final square and the next conjunction uh, from my own research. So 2009 to 2011, 
Bombings in Iraq and Pakistan kill or injure thousands. Earthquake devastates Haiti, killing approximately 160,000 and destroying the majority of the capital. The Deepwater Horizon drilling rig explodes, causing a massive oil discharge into the Gulf of Mexico and an environmental disaster. California's Proposition 8, the ballot initiative prohibiting same-sex marriage, passed by the state voters in 2008, is overturned. Repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell by Obama in the military. Um, Arab Spring uprisings resulting in the overthrow of unpopular dictators and the Fukushima nuclear meltdown. And now, here, the, we got the 15-degree orbit of the conjunction in February 1st of 2018 which means we've been in Saturn-Pluto conjunction territory now for almost two years as we do this in mid-November of 2019. So right now, thematically related events would be the Me Too movement has turned public opinion against sexual abusers. We have unending political and corporate scandals worldwide. We have a major opioid crisis. We had the Facebook Cambridge analytical scandal, which if you watch the Netflix documentary, many people believe that's what gave Donald Trump the election. The, the manipulation of those specific groups of voters by uh, Cambridge Analytica. U.S. states are passing increasingly restrictive abortion laws. There are endless mass shootings, I mean, two or three a week, and it, it hardly makes a headline anymore. The Brexit crisis, we are now impeaching the President of the United States, or getting close. And just a few days ago, 11,000 scientists from around the world published a study in the journal Bioscience, that's 11,000 scientists, warming quote, clearly and unequivocally that planet Earth is facing a climate emergency, end quote. So, there's good stuff too. <laughs> but do you see how Saturn Pluto is doing their thing? Now again, what obviously I haven't talked about is all the wonderful things that have happened. Okay? But we're focusing here on Saturn Pluto and its effects. Okay? Um, I have even more about other themes of Saturn Pluto in history, I'm feeling like you might have had enough. Okay, so I won't. I, I'm going to skip part of this here. I'll just, I'll just, without getting too more, I'll just mention some broader themes without getting too, too deep. Um, it tends to be more conservative, reactionary, and repressive. Uh, conservative reaction, repression, religious fundamentalism tends to rise. Traditional values are supported more strongly. Um, social and legal constraints and judgments against sexuality, including contraception, abortion rights, premarital sex, and same-sex marriage, a lot more patriotism. The economy tends to suffer. Um, let me see. Anything I haven't already talked about? Um, there's the holy war effect. It gets pretty strong during these times. Now, this one I want to share because this is really insightful. There's a phenomenon under Saturn-Pluto called psychological splitting. Okay, let me explain that. This is where you tend to view yourself as entirely identified with the good and the other entirely with evil. Carl Jung saw that the shadow projected onto the other enacts its cruelty against the object of its wrath. It does this with all the insidious destructiveness it perceives in the other and denies in itself. Evil subtly appropriates the motivations of the soul that identifies itself exclusively with God and the good. It then performs its dark actions in self-deceiving but absolute confidence that it is morally obliged to act in this way against such a manifest evil. That's Tarnas writing. He's amazing. Okay, So that's what happens a lot in our sense. Saturn is about boundaries and Pluto is about intense 
you know, violence and need to transform and change things. So it's easy to get diluted in that way when you get psychologically split. Um, also, the environment. Um, there tend to be more collective awareness of big uh, ecological threats. And also, as we're seeing in the United States under Trump, of course, he's trying to get rid of environmental protections as fast as he can. So the environment often tends to suffer. There's a war between man and nature effect. However, it also can be empowering to those who want to save the environment so they can use it to you know, come to the rescue. Um, there's one thing I do. I am skipping a lot of the heavier stuff. I think you got the point. Um, <laughs> I took out the worst of it. <laughs> yeah. So I told you this was not for the faint-hearted. Um, here's a, an important quote. Saturn-Pluto brings a view of human existence as ordered by weighty, by weighty collective responsibilities, enormous generational tasks, and larger forces of destiny that assign us roles and labors beyond our conscious choosing. The other big quote here, before I go to more positive expressions of Saturn-Pluto, I told you there would be more. Okay. The deprivations, losses, and hard labors of Saturn-Pluto periods force individuals and societies out of an old form of life and into a new one. Okay. So the opportunity is, I think we're all agreeing, the current trend of human society is self-destructive. And we need a new form of life. And either, in my opinion, we will, as a collectiveness, decide to change voluntarily. And if we don't, then the old order will simply be destroyed and out of the way that way. But the Earth, I believe, will preserve itself one way or the other. So um, that's my... And I'm, I'm a big fan of, let's just make it better voluntarily. <laughs> okay. So would you like some more positive expressions of Saturn-Pluto? There, there is good stuff here. There's, there's nothing inherently bad. Okay. So again, why did I take you through all that? Good Lord. Okay. Just to maybe to get your attention that, you know, it's kind of important that we do focus on the high side of Saturn-Pluto. Because if we just go with the default, there's a lot of dark forces out there that are about greed and self-servingness. And if we just leave the show to them, then they're going to take us further down the spiral. So if we understand there's very powerful forces at play and we choose to use them in a more life-affirming way, then things get better. And you may not believe that you, in your own little life, can make a difference. But if you know the idea of morphic resonance or 100th monkey effect, every single person who holds a state radiates it to the collective. We're all linked energetically. And even if you never say a word to anyone, if you just hold this more positive personal expression of Saturn and Pluto, it radiates that effect out more strongly. So every one of us does make a difference. We are the ones we've been waiting for. I know you've heard that, but it really makes a difference. And I wanted to show you how bad it can get and has been in the past and is already trending now so that maybe it'll inspire you to get a more positive lean on this. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger? Yeah, you betcha. Okay, here's some more positive Saturn-Pluto. The balanced and effective organization of power, well-earned personal authority and gravitas, extraordinary solidity of character, perceptive moral judgment, deeply established enduring structures of all kinds, intense focus and discipline with minimal resources, exceptional courage in the face of extreme danger, hardship, death, and moral darkness, rebuilding out of the rubble of destruction, and a greatly increased collective tendency to confront the moral shadow of humanity. And we're done with Saturn-Pluto. <laughs> All right, thanks for taking that trip with me. Now let's... Well, actually, I, I forgot one thing. <laughs>
Now here's now remember I talked about that eclipse that had the five Capricorn planets, Sun, Ceres, Pluto, Saturn, and Mercury, and then uh, Eris on one side and Juno on the other who's not quite visible. So I've already interpreted the Saturn-Pluto conjunction for you. I just called it an eclipse. The only thing missing is the moon. Okay. So all the things I said about that eclipse with um, Saturn-Pluto as part of it, I've already interpreted the chart of the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. They only conjoin once on January 12th of 2020. The eclipse was on January 10th. Two days later, the exact Saturn-Pluto conjunction hits on the 12th. So we've already done that. I have a brief announcement section for you. I'd like to thank Jeannie, who sent her chart in in the last few weeks. Also, spiritual teacher Zachary Adama will be January's guest presenter for the Awakening Plus Spiritual Support Membership. I've experienced his work in person, and this man's ability to hold a field and move energy is truly amazing. Zachary will lead a guided healing meditation using special high-vibration Andara crystals. He'll connect with participants' energy bodies from his sanctum, transmute their heavy energy, and return it to God. He'll also do a Q&A after the meditation, if time permits. This event will be at a special day and time, Sunday, January 19th, at 7.30 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. Awakening Plus features three live streaming events each month, an archive of 200-plus prior events, and much more. If you're already a member of Awakening Plus, this call is included in your membership. If you aren't yet a member, learn more about Awakening Plus at awakeningplus.com or click the link in the show notes. I can serve you with astrology readings, shamanic healing, awakening activation, astrological event timing, and one-of-a-kind life coaching. All my one-on-one services are equally effective in person or long distance. Not only that, I offer an unbeatable price on Solar Fire, the number one astrology software for Windows. Learn all about this and more in the show notes. To see them, go to astroshaman.com, click blog on the menu bar, then choose astrology podcast from the blog categories. Please reach out if you have any questions. My email is info at astroshaman.com and my number for voice and text is 828-338-9852. I'd love to connect with you. I want to announce our free session winner for this month. It's Tony, T-O-N-I. This is the Tony born on February 16, 1969 in Oak Park, Illinois. If you think that's you, pop me an email, info at astroshaman.com, and we will set up your free session. Congratulations, Tony. As we close, let me remind you that I am running my Eclipse special. As long as you prepay your session by this Friday, January 10th, 2020, you will get one-third off your session. That means a one-hour session, normally 180, would just be 120. A 90-minute session, normally 270, would only be 180, etc., all the way up to the three-hour session. So if you'd like to do that, go to the show notes for this podcast or Go to astroshaman.com, go to the fourth section down on the homepage, and you'll see that post describing the special. But be sure to do it by this Friday, January 10th, before the special expires. We're wrapping up this episode. This Week in Astrology is honored to be chosen as one of the Internet's top 10 astrology podcasts. Check out our website, where you can hear the show and subscribe to podcast updates. You can also do a single sign-up for two great opportunities, chances to win a free consultation, and have your chart interpreted on the show. Go to thisweekinastrology.com. From there, you'll be redirected to the This Week in Astrology area of astroshaman.com. 
Whatever your sun sign, my forecasts can help you make the best use of the current astrological energies. All dates and times are in the U.S. Eastern Time Zone. Events are most powerful on the dates listed, but their influence will be active for at least a week before and after. Everyone's affected by these global transits, but you'll be most powerfully impacted when moving planets activate sensitive points in your natal chart. Discover how these transits will personally affect you by booking a session with me. Learn more about my Astrology Plus sessions in the show notes or going to astroshaman.com, click Services, and then choose Astrology Plus from the drop-down. Thank you so much for listening. I wish you infinite blessings as the stars light your way.